A poor soul of noble origins, a squire tested in battle, a knight errant forged in Camelot, a man strengthened by love. Join Adam as Sir Gulliston and Craig as the Game Master in Blood and Lust, a King Arthur Pendragon duet game of chivalry and mythic adventure. Let us win glory for our king, who will reward us with honors and lands, and the devil take the hindmost. So, um, we were talking about how important adventure logs are um, and keeping track of all your stuff because, like, whenever you're sitting down to a feast and someone asks you, hey, what can you tell me about yourself? It's good to have that. So, seeing this, we're kind of, like, at our halfway mark in this campaign. I thought it'd be appropriate to recap Golston's uh, exploit so far. So, uh, Adam, let's take it away on our... Um, adventure log thus far all right happy to um so i tried to uh just a little bit of forewarning um i tried to kind of go back and kind of consolidate some of my notes into like a google document um i i've ranted and raved before about how much i love uh the pendragon character sheet and uh just as somebody who's like interested in character sheets in general i really do like how this one uh kind of like gives you a lot of space to kind of track uh, all of these things and do this bookkeeping as it is like an important aspect of the game. Uh, one of the limitations I did find with that is uh, it, it doesn't really leave you like too much room to to write in the lines of, of the year. And especially if you're, I mean, I don't think it's really suggested that you're using uh, one year per line, but uh, you know, if you're trying to kind of squeeze them in, you're going to be sort of like summarizing the events of uh of, okay. of what happened with your character. So that kind of uh, is why like an adventure log uh is an important thing to have, maybe like a separate document to uh to track these types of things. So something I kind of wish I had done from the beginning, uh, but have a pretty good recap for you, I think. Uh might be lacking on some parts. So if you feel the need to uh yeah let me know if I'm missing anything. Um our story starts in the year 510. Uh, that is when Sir Gulliston is born. Um, he's the fifth son. Um, you know, a lot less important than his, uh, than his siblings. However, uh, in the year 514, he begins to squire for Sir Gregor. Um, you know, just at the, the young age of four, believe it or not. Uh, and then, you know, he, he does that for several years. And then it's uh, the year 530 that he's with Sir Gregor on the battlefield. And uh, an event takes place that kind of like changes the, his course. Uh, he sees Sir Gregor um, kind of like in this, this moment of peril uh, where he's fighting the Irishman. And, uh, you know, he, he's overwhelmed by his foes. And Sir Goliston rides out and assists him. Uh, this was during the Battle of Tara. Um, after that, uh, Sir Sir Gregor kind of decides to take Sir Golston under his wing more. And um, it's the next year, the year 531, that Sir Golston is officially knighted. Um, it's also during that year that he tried out for the Queen's Knights. Um, he was still very inexperienced at this time and, you know, kind of fumbled a little bit. Uh, 
you know, he didn't really do too great at the, uh, yeah, this was also, this was his first time in Camelot. Uh, so it's like this, uh, seeing all these like amazing sights for the first time being, uh, being in the presence of all these like really, uh, amazing people that are kind of like at the highest stage of, of society. Um, didn't do great at Queens Knights. Um, also, uh, I was challenged by Sir Agravain. I accepted. He kicked my ass pretty badly, uh, and he ended up riding off with my horse and armor. So, uh, another kind of like hard lesson learned by Sir Gulliston. Um, But still, as always, he was kind of like in high spirits uh, and just really happy to to be a knight. Um, the next year, year five thirty two, he goes on a quest. Uh, him and his squire Baldric set out for the kingdom of uh, Quelod, Gwelod, I believe. Uh, I don't know if I said it right, but he was tested uh, by the strange customs of the castle. It was a, it was a strange ordeal where he was kind of, um, you know, his, his virtues and his uh, ideals were challenged. Uh, but he did, uh, he did meet that challenge, and. Um, you know, he, he survived to be able to kind of like tell the tale of that, of that experience. Uh, he also encountered a strange ethereal dog in the forest. Um, so it was a pretty eventful year for uh, Sir Golston, 532. Uh, the year 533, uh, Sir Golston goes back to Camelot. Um, he, I think at this point, he was uh, kind of like a I think he, I think he was like respected knight at this point, I'm trying to, I should have, I should have wrote like when that's another uh, important thing I want to mention. Um, the character sheet has, uh, has a, a part where you can kind of like measure your glory increasing per year, which is something you definitely want to keep track of in the bookkeeping of this game. Um, so anyways, I'm in Camelot, uh, taking part in this, uh, like Royal hunt for a unicorn. Um, during this, uh, I met and rescued Avielli, um, immediately took a fondness to her, um, began talking to her, learned that she was the daughter of one of my, uh, you know, favorite and, you know, most like esteemed mentors, Sir Amran. Um, and, you know, Golston basically had like love at first sight for her. Um, also that year, he took part in a tournament. Um, this was kind of like, you know, his second time kind of, yeah. Oh, I should have, uh, I should have mentioned this as well. Sir Amran, uh, died the previous year and, uh, Sir Amran was like an important figure in Goliston's life. Like early on, he kind of was like a patron to Goliston, gave him money and kind of like gave him like mentorship and, uh, Goliston kind of like always, uh, appreciated and respected him for that. Uh, but then while uh, Golison was in uh, the kingdom of Quelod, he learned that uh, Amran had died. Um, so that was just kind of like this hard grief that he took, he took back home with him and was, you know, kind of like just very upsetting news that stuck with him. Uh, so eventually he meets this woman that uh, he becomes very taken with and come to find out this woman, Avielli, is the daughter of Sir Amran. Um, so it kind of complicates his feelings on the matter, but uh, he still kind of like is uh, insistent in his attraction to her. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do this tournament this time around. I'm trying to do a lot better. I've practiced my sword the previous winter. 
Um, and uh, so I beat my brother uh, at Lansing. That's one of uh, one of the exciting things. Uh, I go up to joust in this tournament. Uh, who am I facing? But my own brother. And I, I best him in, in the joust. And he becomes very morose. And, uh, you know, he becomes very moody about, about the whole situation. And um, then after that, I was beaten by Sir Mavis, uh, who was actually uh, a woman knight. Um, and that was a pretty, pretty awesome fight and a pretty good defeat. And uh, Golston definitely is, is interested in this, um, in this, this figure, uh, Sir Mavis, the, uh, the lady knight who's like, you know, very gifted at combat. Um, so, and also that year I actually joined the Queens Knights and, uh, Guinevere gifts me the settlement of Lily stream. And, uh, I, I head over there to kind of like settle that land and make that my new, uh, my new like home, I guess. Um, when we get there, I'm actually attacked by bandits. Uh, you know, we get there, some bandits have made camp there. Uh, I sent some men to go clear them out. Eventually I go down there and there's kind of this skirmish um, and was able to defeat or chase off two of the men, but one of the men lay wounded. Uh, and, you know, I showed him mercy, brought him back to the town. Uh, he is named uh, Fulton, uh, but he will be redeemed by me uh, right now. He's just kind of doing like stuff in uh, Lily stream. Just, just one of the, one of the many, community workers there um next year i yeah yes he's the shit shoveler he's the collector of the night soil um he's the gong farmer um and i think that's it for 533 um i think it's the next year uh year 534 that i meet um let me see Sorry, I tried to make a list of names. That's another piece of advice I would recommend as well. Just have like an index of names of everybody you meet. Um, uh, Count Argulachar. Um, and uh, that's also where I, 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 I learned kind of the story of Sir Amran's uh, betrayal by uh, this man Burlot and uh, how he just, you know, like uh, killed Sir Amran and, and uh, killed Sir Amran's wife as well. Um, and just kind of like had it out for, uh, is it a, is it, did I get the name wrong? Is it, is it a. Oh, no, sorry. I forgot all about Art Gulachar. Um, oh, okay. King Gam yeah. Garen's uh, Castle of the Crane. Oh yeah. Yep. That's, uh, yep. I'm going to mention that as well. Um, so I, I basically, I swore a vow. Anybody that, that tries to harm Lady Abielli is my sworn enemy. And I swore on the desiccated finger of St. Alban. And uh, it's something I, I, I'm uh, taken very seriously now, and it's something that I, I mean to uphold. Also that year, I uh, I rode to, I forget the uh, the name of the uh, village, but it was uh, King Garen was the, um, or I actually had it as a, yeah, King Garen, uh, Castle of the Crane. Uh, he was kind of like being tormented by uh, King Cudwallader uh, in this kind of like neighboring Castle of the Kite. Uh, he was the rightful like uh, owner of this famed red blade that uh, was was stolen from his family, according to his historian legend. Um, 
and this red blade was in the hands of this evil King Cadwallader. Um, and it, I took upon myself this quest to go retrieve the blade. Um, just for my own glory, I guess, was the, was the original intention of the quest. And me and Baldrick ride out there. We're, uh, we're troubled by other knights on the road uh, or another order of fighting men that were at, you know, at war with King Cudwallader and basically got kind of the impression that this was just a, a kingdom of, of uh, warring, you know, warring uh, territories and stuff. Uh, so I go to King Cudwallader's uh, Castle of the Kite. Very, very decrepit place. King Cudwallader is like a wretched man. Um, basically puts us up in a, in a shack, me and Baldrick. Uh, gives us like stone soup when, during the feast. And most disturbing of all was uh, the chasing around of a, of a man they were calling Pig Boy. Um, I saw an opportunity. I went into the King's room, uh, ended up uh, getting into a tussle with him, killed him and took the blade. And in the chaos of the situation was basically able to just ride right out of there. And, uh, you know, kind of uh, after that, I was really happy with what I had done. I spoke to King Garen and ended up giving him the blade. Um, after that, I, I left the whole area, putting all of it behind me, not really minding or paying any attention to the huge shift in power that I might have caused or created. And um, I think that that brings us up to the current. Uh, and I'm sure I've left a lot of important things out, but uh, that's I guess that is the, the lesson in my overall piece of advice is that... Uh, the more you, the more you know, like this, these games take place over a long period of time. So the more you know, like the the better off you will be, and that's it. Yes, and with uh, Gwaelod, uh washed away from the face of the earth, um, and the Knights of Gomrit uh, attacking uh, um, everywhere, and King Cadwallader mysteriously been slain in his own castle. Who knows the power vacuum is there to be exploited in the future? Anyway, Sir Golston should check his compose for that. Well, thank you, Adam. So, Sir Golston has basically been getting into a more predictable yearly pattern now that he uh, has, you know, you know, fully sunk into his um, role at Lily Stream. In spring, construction started, fields are sown, and a yearly trip to Camelot for Arthur's Pentecost tournament crowns the season. Summer. Feudal obligations are met, wars are fought, and adventures are had up until autumn. When the construction is completed, the hay is cut and stored, crops are harvested, and livestock is slaughtered, dried, and salted for winter. The darkness of winter, however, is punctuated by project planning, feasts, and courtly obligations. So you had a bit of time to invest in your demands and learn its little ecosystem, but... Uh, a certain task is like, you know, bringing the back of your head and you've been searching far and wide on who to give the two, the, the Libra that um, Lady Avielli asked you to give. So um, I think uh, you mentioned that you were looking to like sort of upraise like one of your like peasants or something. 
Yeah, I, I basically am looking for a peasant that I feel kind of like embodies the, the virtues that I hold dear. Uh, somebody that's just, somebody that's generous themselves, maybe somebody that doesn't have a lot, but that gives a lot. And um, I want to kind of uh, elevate them in the same way that I was elevated by people like Sir Gregor and, and uh, Sir Amron. Um and kind of just be like a, a mentor to them, a mentor knight to them. So actually, uh, that works out really good because you're thinking of the traits of what Aviali has been referring to, or oh, you've been you've been seeing her a lot, especially with your townhouse in uh, Warwick, so close, and trips to Camelot, and your duties to the Queen's Light. It's like fates are arranging you for you to be continuously bumping into her, but. The qualities uh, she is looking for, um, she calls the qualities of love's champion, which are forgiving, generous, honest, just, merciful, and trusting, which, you know, you've been trying to live by a lot of these. Um, But uh, in your search um, for the most forgiving person, you come across um, the weaving woman of your village whose child ruined several days worth of work out of carelessness at her loom. Uh, searching for the most generous person, you uh, come across the baker who would sell larger loaves to some of the villains who couldn't afford, you know, to feed themselves very well. In searching for an honest uh, person, you notice the forester who would only allow dead fo- deadfall wood to be cut- collected because it's, you know, not his forest to be taken from. <sighs> Looking for a just person. You could find no one greater than the shepherd boy who returned another man's lost sheep when it made its way into the boy's herd. Looking for a merciful person, um, you found you found uh, someone merciful in the hangman who would not allow a thief to suffer long during his execution. And looking for the most trusting person, you found the fisherman's wife, who is trusting her husband to faithfully return after each trip, never knowing like where he's going to be going up and down the river the river near Lively Stream. So, which of those uh, are you going to, uh, you know, bequeath uh, the princely sum of two Libra to? Um, it's kind of a tie-up for me between the woodsman and the baker, but I think the baker is kind of more thematically, like, interesting, so I think it's going to be the baker. Right, the baker is very generous, and he'll sell larger loaves to the villain. Uh, you should check your generous. Already checked. Oh, what a shame. But uh, you feel pretty good in your uh, completion of the task. And uh, don't forget to remove those two Libra from your uh, treasury. And uh, yeah, the, the baker is like ecstatic to be basically given the wages to, uh, you know, live a whole two years at a night nightly level if they came to that. But basically the guy is set up for life and... Uh, um, because he's so generous, ends up giving it mostly away to his friends and neighbors. Excellent. And uh, uh, it is noted that the the bread and lily stream is the finest in the county. I like that. It's like it's a good good namesake. And speaking of namesakes, uh, we talked a little bit offline about what uh, what some people might know Sir Golston as. Um, what sort of epithet might someone know you as? You could think back to. Some of your traits, some of your uh, like physical qualities. 
Um, yes, we have talked about this and it's something I've been uh, kind of thinking on a lot. One of the things I did like, and I'm not really sure uh, if this is like a good uh, epithet to have would be uh, Golston in the huge. And first of all, because he is physically huge, um, like unnaturally huge, he has a size 19. Um, but also like, I, I try to think of him as like uh, somebody who tries to come across as he has a huge heart or something as well. So I don't know if that could be like one that has a double meaning, but I would like it to be something that kind of uh, encompasses both his size and like his, uh, his generosity. I actually really like that. Um, how do you feel about uh, Sir Golston Legrand? I love that much better. Love a it. A little, little, little French for you. Definitely. So, um, Actually, you might want to put up top uh, Sir Golston Legrand. We're already writing all over your brand new uh, character sheet and marking it up. Good. I love it. Um, Another question that we had was, um, who do you think so far in this uh, short time you've been a knight is your greatest rival? Um, Greatest rival would be Sir Aggravain. Um, Greatest enemy would be Burlot. Um, but he's a man I've never met, just a man I have hatred for. But uh, Sir Aggravain is the person that um, kind of like uh, always kind of like shames me a little bit in both like ability and just like attitude. Like I wouldn't really say we're even like friends either. I have like a respect for him, though, as a knight, of course. Um, definitely kind of like uh, see him as like a probably the way like uh, athletes who are rivals would view each other, I guess. Yeah. And. The fact that he's a roundtable knight um, probably thinks that you're not even like on his radar. So right, exactly, and that kind of adds to it too. Is um, it's just somebody that doesn't respect him very much. Um, not that it would be expected, uh, but it's just kind of like um, it may it it hurts more, you know, because it's like I'm nothing to him, and he just constantly kind of uh is like sticking my face in the ground. But yeah, that's just, it's just part of it. Do you, do you think that uh, Sir Aggravain deserves his seat? Do you think it's like possibly nepotism? Maybe that he's Arthur's nephew that he's on there? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think I trust that if, if he was a bad character that he wouldn't be there. And just because I don't see the the good the good in him doesn't mean that it's like not there like he's a roundtable knight and like um sir goliston believes in the roundtable it's not just like a you know like a social club to him or something so it's like who am i to judge sort of thing definitely yeah yeah and you know you you have a you know fairly mediocre homage arthur and a more one of your how how do you feel about the pendragons and the family um I feel like they're kind of beyond social elite. Um, they're larger than life. Whenever Goliston is in the presence of either of them, it's something that's very much felt. Uh, especially Guinevere. I feel like he's kind of had like a few interactions, like his first time around with the Queen's Knights when he kind of fumbled quite a bit. And then his second time around, like joining the Queen's Knights and and uh, being, being gifted a... Uh, like land and stuff he kind of he's feeling like a closer connection to this whole circle um but it still feels like this very out of reach off limits thing uh very much kind of like they're they're like deities or something so um, you can't really very 
Yeah, so like you're you're close to the idea of them, but like on a personable level, they're harder to connect with. Like, yeah, like celebrities. Yeah, they might be polite, but do they even know your name or care? Right, exactly. Like into Golison, he doesn't feel like it's something he can reach out and touch. It's not like he can really go up to them and talk to them or anything. And and they don't probably don't even really know about him. So he he's trying to keep it all very much in perspective. Uh, he's not really like uh landed in this big way uh yeah. but he's kind of uh enjoying being on like the outskirts of this circle i guess and just kind of like being able to reap like a pretty serious benefits even from just being a more unknown and un uh you know like unreputable kind of like new knight i guess and what about the rumors what kinds of rumors well as you know they've been married for like you know, more than two decades at this point, and they don't have any children together. Golston's probably like, oh, I never really thought of that. And even in such a, um, you know, like a society that puts such an emphasis on that, you know, he might have never really thought about it. Um, but I think to him, yeah, I think to him, it would seem odd that people so powerful don't create some sort of progeny to continue their, their legacy. Like, are they not concerned with that? He definitely like thinks about it. Can you roll me intrigue intrigue real quick? Uh, that's a pass seven on eight. Well, um, it might've come as some sort of shock to you, but uh, I guess all, and you've been away from Camelot for a little bit now, but uh, you have heard, um, you know, stories about, um, you know, Good old uh, Sir Bor Lacure Hardy, who, you know, he's for many years now has been acknowledged um, by the court of Camelot as the bastard son of King Arthur. Interesting. So Arthur has a kind of like an illegitimate child. But wait, there's more. Yet another bastard of Arthur has been acknowledged by the king, uh, Sir Lohart of Estragales. Interesting. And do these knights have like a, a presence in the court at all? Oh, yeah. Fully acknowledged by the king as bastards are knighted, um, you know, given roundtable seats. Hmm. So so why none with Guinevere, I wonder? Would you like to make me a trusting versus suspicious role? Yeah, okay. Okay, pass my trusting, uh, 9 on a 14. Uh, fail my suspicious, 16 on a 6. All right, so so you trust them. You um, how does uh, Sir Golston explain explain this uh, double anomaly away? Then, um, Sir Golston says to himself in his mind, "They certainly are larger than life figures, but people are only human, and it's not unheard of for a person to not be able to bear children. Uh, it's certainly something that." Um, Golston is has heard of it before and it's very common and it, it you know plagues everybody from nobility to 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 peasants and it's just kind of one of those one of those things about life and maybe this is something that is true for Guinevere but um, would uh, Sir Golston think it's the woman's fault for not being able to uh, bear children which is pretty common for the day uh, it's pretty common for the day but I don't <laughs> I don't really want to go there. So I would say, <laughs> I would say that he probably like in his head is just like, uh, 
you know, there's no there's no real explanation for these things, and and people can claim to know, but but uh, only only God knows. So, um, you know, I just wanted to have a little interview to kind of like you know set set the tone where Sir Goldstone's yeah. at, and you know, figure out what his stance are on some of these issues. But um, so, um, you find yourself one day you you're standing over the uh, body of King Cadwallader. Uh, red death blade in your hand, you know, as you do. As you ride away, you look up to the sky and a terrible bang erupts. A menacing figure with a pack of spectral hounds leads the wild hunt as it tears the form of King Calidor, Cadwallader, limb from limb in a savage display. Dogs howl as you are left with a mess of blood and gore at your feet. And then you awaken. I'm uh, covered in sweat. Uh, I imagine there's some kind of storm raging outside as well. And I'm just like, ah, ah. and I wake up and I kind of like, uh, you know, like my, my bed is like covered in my, in my sweat and it's like just dark and, and stormy outside. And I'm just kind of like pondering on that messed up dream. And you, you look at the, um, you look over the edge of your bed and you notice like hanging from a hook on the wall is your current best set of clothing which is actually the ones you've had stolen from king cadwallader on your um escape they have a really red motif going on um because like you left behind your previous traveling clothes under his bed and your your once fine clothes which were the gift from sir amron have since become your travel clothes and yeah the it's 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 uh, just kind of a reminder how things just get worn out through the years and, you know, fine things become rags. And it's definitely sad to Sir Golston when he kind of looks upon what was once this really grand outfit that was a gift from one of his most beloved uh, just people in his life. And just kind of how now it's torn, worn, dirtied in ways that mending or laundering probably can't fix and he when he looks at it it's a reminder to him that nothing lasts forever yeah and as winter phase starts uh sheep are brought in and uh you know good old uh kelly the horse uh tells you in his own way that you know he's still grieving over the destruction of guelad and you know just things are kind of coming back around so at the start of winter phase, can I get a D20 roll, please? 11. Ooh, that puts us on the relations chart. Can you roll me uh, lustful, please? Uh, that's a fail, uh, nine on a seven. All right. You are already courting someone, so that uh, brings you to the deed. Um, can you roll me a D6? Two. And this is jumping you all around these charts now. Hmm. So, uh, your lady, uh, you know, Lady Avielli, um, is asking you to do some sort of challenge for her to prove your love, which, you know, seems legit. Um, can you roll me a. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Actually, this is this is good. Um, there's there's a challenge because someone else thinks that uh, he should be 
vying for the hand of Lady Avielli. Oh, really? Yes. Um, let me roll some. So, uh, let's say uh, Sir Garris, uh, Sir, yeah, Sir Gaharis comes up to you and says um, that he wants to fight you as a challenge for uh, pride, uh, first blood, or first knockdown. Well, I mean, I'm not going to back down from him when it comes to the honor of uh, my beloved Avielli. So I feel like I, I kind of have to meet his request. All right. Um, he, he ex- so he's, he travels to your manor and, uh, uh, you know, you probably treat him with hospitality. And at uh, some point at a part of greed time, um, uh, he, uh, what, what sort of rules do you, would you care to enforce on this? Um, just to be clear, like, I'm not agreeing to, like, give her up to him if he beats me, though, right? Uh, of course not. Um, he, he proclaims that it is for his own pride that he is fighting you for, but because of the ways these charts went, um, you could probably get the under the undertones. All right. Well, I'll oblige you that. And uh, since you've come all this way, uh, you know, I must uh, I must meet this request. So, yeah, I'll be, you know, I'll be hospitable to him. I'll make sure that he has a good stay while he's coming to visit. And uh, for the rules, I, I'm trying to think of. It's I more about it would... like, is it weapons on foot? Um, is it, um, is it on lance? Do you want to set a, a specific weapons? I I would like to I would like to uh to joust him to like to okay. to la- to lance with him lock lances with him three uh three passes with a lance for love yes all right uh, he's going to impassion with his amor uh, lady Avielli. um I think I would like to do the same if that's possible absolutely okay so. Um, that's a pass for uh, impassioning, a 10 on a 24. He impassioned as well. So um, he's going to impassion his spear expertise. So am I. All right. Um, have at you then. Okay, that's a pass. I got a 2. Well, he passed, but he got a... Um, actually, oh, we got to do math. So it's to the skill, so he would crit on he did not crit. I'm guessing you probably didn't crit either. What's your skill? Uh the skill is 15 and uh sorry, one more time. What is what does impassioning add to the skill? Um passion uh plus ten. Plus ten, okay. Yeah, so, so you would that would you would crit on twenty on, on fifteen or higher. Um you both passed. He had a slightly higher one, so he's going to do um, some damage to you. Did I heal up from last time at all? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. You're, you're, you're healed up. Uh, what's your knockdown? 19. Well, uh, he did a 21, so um, that means you have to make a ride check or horsemanship check. Okay, so that's a pass four on a ten. 
All right. And since this is for love, um, he, he does actual half damage, which your armor covers. So round two, he wins the first round. He got a three and you crit. Nice. 19 on a 25 now. All right. So uh, you roll your horse damage, but it's doubled. Whoa. So 66 doubled. I got uh, 51. I rolled a uh, 12 D6. 51. Well, luckily it's for love. <laughs> so um, halved is uh, 25. Um, this is way more th- um, than double his knockdown. So you unhorse him and his, he did. He does get a shield. So um, 25 minus 18 set. So he takes seven. He takes 10 points of damage and falls, remains conscious. But uh, you are the better man in this instance. That's right. No, I actually, I'm not, uh, like, in Golston's head, he he feels sympathetic towards Geharis because he's like, it must be hard to uh, to be stricken with this love when, you know, when her suitor, her proper suitor is somebody else, me. What do you, what do you say to him? Do you help him up or? I help him up. I help him up. I, I, I want to keep it civil. I don't want to make an enemy out of this man. All right. Let's see. Yeah. Um, he, he lets you help him up and extends his, um, the courtesy and um, looks around and offers you his horse. Like um, just as kind of like a consolation for, for this fight or something? or like Well, is... you dehorsed him. Oh, right. Okay. Do you, do you accept I, or no? I I mean, I accept, but at the same time, it's like Golston is kind of, he feels like um, he doesn't want to like add further. No, he, he'll, you know, as is custom, he will, he will accept. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, he passes his forgiving. He, he hands you the reins and he's like, um, well, you won this round. Uh, no hard feelings. I uh, suppose the pride here that is one is yours. I thank you, Sir Harris, and you are not without pride yourself. Uh, you fought well. Um, so Pete spent some time uh, to get his wounds attended to. Um, do you tra- um, you said you treated him with hospitality? Do you um, send him like? Do you spend any like luxuries to feast him or anything? Yeah, I mean, would it be like kind of normal to have a feast since he's there? Yeah, you could you could feast him. Yeah, I definitely would. I uh, definitely would. want to spend like a, a libra or something on it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you, you spent um you spend a libra of your money um to get uh, some important foods in, and I mean, first off, check your hospitality if it's not already permanently checked from the last one last time. But uh, yeah, um, it's it's quite notable that like uh, like stories start spreading around about um you the the reason why this fight came about and he is a pretty famous knight um like close to uh, like more than double your glory at this point but um yeah you you beat him fair and square and uh all the peasants around you saw that and then saw how you treated uh, your enemy afterwards and like i don't i i definitely try not to gloat about my victory to him like if i say anything at all about it i'll say fighting is never certain you know, just so he doesn't feel like I'm trying to say that I'm better than him or anything. Yeah. Um, 
Like I, I want him to, you know, not feel like I'm trying to stick my nose up at him at all. So try to show him a, a good time while he's here. And yeah, I hope it does leave like a lasting impression on on the the peasants and stuff. And it truly does. Damn, I love random tables. I know that is such a good spark. It's just really good. All right. So that was a pretty interesting solo. Make sure you check your um, spear expertise and your horsemanship and your more aviali if they aren't already checked. But um, we're going to go right into your experience checks. So um, at this point, uh, roll all your checks and try to fail them. And let me know when you're done. All right. So not as many things changed this year compared to previous years for personality traits. The only thing that changed with me is my indulgent when it went up from eight to nine. So uh, I think maybe Sir Golston's getting a little bit of a taste for kind of like this excess of food and, and stuff that he constantly is able to have available to him. And it's probably just, a little bit harder to resist. He did just spend the whole uh, Libra on a single meal. Yeah, he's definitely kind of just been like uh, noticing his pants feel like tighter and, you know, they don't just like button up the way that they used to and stuff. So, Uh, but that's it for my personality traits. Uh, My passions, um, nothing changed. For my skills, my awareness went up from 10 to 11. My courtesy went up from 11 to 12. My dancing went up from 11 to 12. My romance went up from five to six. And my stewardship went up from four to five. And then for my combat skills, my horsemanship went up from 10 to 11. And uh, that's that's it. All right. Let's add one to your age. How old is Sir Golston now? 25 years old. Dang, I remember when I was 25. That's That's when my body felt like it was starting to break down. Luckily, you got uh, 10 more years of that um, in game terms. Good stuff. Still feels like a million bucks, but give it give it just a little bit longer. All right. Um, next step um, is our economic circumstances. So nothing's damaged. Um, you're getting your full value. So you will collect your income for the year. Actually, hold on. Um, let, me, let me see how Arius is doing. Your steward passes short stewardship roll. Um, so the sheep arrive. Um, they're set up. So you'll be getting your money from that. So do you do you know how much money you'll be getting? Um, so I know that as far as Lily Stream goes, I should be getting money from the sheep, and I I think I get money for the uh, for the manse as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one a year for the manse. And then I was trying to, in my recap, I was trying to figure out if there's any other sources of income I would currently be getting, um, stuff that's outside of of my holdings and stuff, uh, you know, like like where where is that coming from as well? Yep. So uh, you get one tenth of your um, customary revenue to um, basically equate into your um, your discretionary revenue. So you got one from that then you would have gotten one from your um, your court fees because you're doing all the court fees, but it's canceled out by your manor's upkeep, um, your townhouse, actually. Um, 
you have one now I'm going forward from the sheep farm every year. And um, it's already in your, um, it's already factored into your thing, but you'll be getting a, a third because you don't have a wife or children to maintain. Um, you Since you don't have your wife, um, you do have to pay for your steward, but since you don't have any children to maintain, that's where your third one will come from. So you'll be getting three going forward. Okay, so so three a year from the as it stands uh, now. Yep, yeah, perfect. So um, at this point, uh, would you like to invest any money into your build on um, building more, or basically, this is the point where uh, for next year you would commit the money to build something. Tough decision. I mean. Huh? How much do you have? I, I have seven. I have seven lira right now. Like you know, that's from like with all this, uh, the income from this year. Um, I mean, money is for spending in Pendragon. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And you got to spend money to make money. And um, so maybe I would. Uh, you can get a melisarium. Yeah. Okay. I think I want to do that. I think it's important that we kind of like continue to put the funds into into making lily stream a, a better and more profitable place um so if if my guy thinks that's a good idea i'm definitely going to do that yeah that was one of those that he initially um suggested so it costs uh six libra um but it will produce one libra of income a year and doesn't really have any maintenance associated plus every year you get to check energetic because you just feel so good watching all those bees move around like they make you just feel up, feel like you need to get up and move around, do stuff. I actually, really like that. They just give you like an energy, just like a just like a zest for life. Yeah. So mark down that you're spending uh, your six libra on Melisarium, and that is spelled M E L L I S A R I U M. All right. Got got one libra left. All right, Dix, can you make me a d20 roll? Seven. Kelly lives. Oh, thank God. Most stressful roll of the game. I was actually, I was looking at that table uh, earlier today when I was kind of just like looking through the book and it's just like, you know, the the, the one to two, uh, you know, where your horse just dies. And I was just like, you know, when you just called for that, I was like, is this the one? Is this Is this where we find out? <laughs> He, I, apparently, he's smart enough to avoid um, pitfalls. I love that that um, beautiful horse. Yeah, um, and since we're kind of between the economic and the um, kind of like the economic and the um, what's it called of uh, stable roles, your steward says that um, you know, like a your your herd of mountain ponies from uh, that gift from King Garan has arrived. And uh, Arius Lurko is saying that, uh, you know, they could be bred and sold for a profit. And uh, he suggests possibly seeking uh, greater seeds for studs. Um, in fact, uh, he says that uh, a new type of horse from uh, the continent um, has, you know, recently become available over in Britain. They're called Destriers. These there's these massive horses bigger than any charger you've ever seen, um, and like you you've seen some of these massive horses like in tournaments, but it's like round table knights have them. 
I think like Goldston is definitely super into the idea of big horses. Uh, he's a huge dude himself. And I, I feel like uh, fine horses are kind of the sports cars of the time. So just any kind of like talk about horses, he's instantly absorbed in. And especially if he's hearing like this can be profitable, these horses are a good, like, you know, they could be a good size. Like he's just like totally drawn to that idea and he just was like yes so you know um just make sure you save up your money and you can maybe have one at some point or uh in fact um let me put in the word of my some of my contacts to see uh you know what's what's available now so i'll, I'll get back to you on that he says yes um Lily stream is growing and it may seem like times are tight right now, but prosperity is coming, and we need to plan for it. Yeah, these these horses aren't going to breed themselves. Well, they will, but you know, um, yeah. I, I, if you if you take a hand into it, uh, you can direct some of that energy. And uh, when you're talking about this, like Kelly's looking pretty excited about what's going on. Oh yeah, I'll I'll ask him how he feels about it later. All right, so. Um, next we're into the relationship, um, section. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, at, you're visiting your townhouse in Warwick over, uh, winter phase and, you know, uh, gives, gives you a chance to stretch your legs, gives, uh, uh, Fulton a chance to clean out, uh, the cistern, um, cause that's not really something you want to be in your manner while he's doing. So it's a good excuse for you to, uh, head over and attend court. Um, plus, like, you're trying to butter up Count Arkluchar, too. So, you know, you make your way over to uh, Warwick, and, uh, you know, like, as a good lord he is, um, he uh, decides that, you know, you're you're worthy to attend one of his feasts, and at said feast, you're seated, you know, fairly close to a certain young lady. Excellent. And... Uh, um. I wonder, uh, I think I would try on that, that red outfit that I acquired and I'm kind of trying to see like, if it suits me or if it's, I mean, first of all, does it fit a man of my size? Um, no, but you could get it recut. Um, I mean, you could have Baldrick um, try to fix it for you. Is it too edgy looking for a guy like me or? I mean, it's gonna, it's a three Libra value, so. It'll, it'll make you look good regardless. Yeah I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm putting on the new duds after Baldrick kind of does some alterations. All right. What, what's Baldrick's age? Baldrick is 17 right now. Okay, good. That means he passed his uh, church or his uh, squire role. So he's able to, you know, kind of like re sew it and, you know, fix some of the hems and fix it for you. So it, it works. Work. Yeah. So, you know, you're wearing red and, uh, you know, Lady Avielli is um, pretty pleased upon hearing uh, that you uplifted a certain baker in in Lily Stream. Is there anything you want to tell her about? I definitely would tell her about the baker. I would say he was the most generous man in town, and it was his priority to feed the community. And uh, since being bestowed this this money he's he's used it to kind of share that wealth with other members of the community 
And now bread is kind of one of Lily Stream's namesakes. And, you know, I'm telling her about it, hoping that she'll kind of like share my excitement. And then I will probably tell her a little bit that, um, like, I, I met with, with um, Count Gulichard and, and I told him about my intentions. And he told me a little bit about your and your father's history. And, like, I'm going to tell her that, like, I, like, look, I swore an oath. Like, if anybody tries to mess with you or tries to harm you, they're my mortal enemy and uh, they'll have to face me. And then I'll even go on further to mention that Gaharis was recently around and, you know, we, we fought for your honor and I, I actually beat him. Uh, but, you know, he was, he was still, he was a good guest and he's not a bad guy, but, you know, I, I hope you consider this, that, uh, that I, I fought for love. Was it for love or your own pride? It was only for love. I would not have done this had, had my, had my identity as a champion of love not been called into question by Gaharis. And he met me on reasonable terms, but I could not let him, I, I had to, I had to be brave in the name of my love for you. Um, and I'll kind of like, uh, I'll kind of like tell her, like, I, I didn't, care to to beat him and i didn't care to shed his blood but I, I wouldn't let him claim his love for you was stronger than mine you should check your modest uh she seems very you know happy with that answer um seems like uh you you were starting to sh- start to shape into the night that uh you know maybe she could one day um you know honor and you know she's She's looking around and she's noticing that other people are um, seeing the two of you talk. And in public, she rewards you with a glance, a smile, and and a batting of eyelashes. Jeez. Save that for later. Are you are you saying that or are you just no, 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 no. (laughs) Golston is definitely soaking it up right now. Then uh she puts uh, her hand on your forearm and like you're everyone's telling great tales at this feast and uh, singing, dancing. And uh, she says, well, I'm obviously charmed by your generosity. However, everyone. And she, she looks down, trying to consider her words. Everyone messes up every now and then and has a story of comic ineptitude. Would you mind uh, regaling this entire feast with uh, said story? Oh boy. Lady Avielli, I mean this when I tell you I have many such stories. In fact, every time I leave a manor or, or household to, to adventure or to travel to a new land, I, I have many new ones each time. Uh, and like Golston will be like considering for a moment, like, okay, which one do you guys want to hear? And then uh, you notice that like uh, everyone at the Count Artgulachar's table is like looking for um, at you expectantly, like they're ready for this tale. Um, trying to think of just like t- a time that I really messed up. Um, and like I know that like almost all of my quests have kind of just been like riddled with moments like these. And I probably would maybe talk about when I visited the kingdom of, of Quaylod and, um, you know, I was tested by the strange customs of the castle. 
I knew not what I was supposed to do. Um, you know, I was being like kind of um, influenced by both sides as to as to what uh, what I should have done in the situation. You know, being told to to steal a cup from somebody that was unjust, having my my morals put into question uh, that if I didn't do this, that I that I wasn't just myself. And you know, at the end of all my personal toiling and 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 um, going back and forth in my head over what was the right action, I learned that they had just been testing me. This was just a just a game they were playing in the castle, and I was just the fool for their enjoyment. I felt very embarrassed, but I suppose when all was made clear to me, I I guess I kind of enjoyed it. It's it's not so bad to be the butt of somebody's joke every now and then and I'll kind of like go on to just tell them like you know sometimes like if you if your misfortune um isn't too much of a setback and it brings uh entertainment to others then perhaps it's not really much of a misfortune or something so first off check your honest uh second um I would like you to roll orate and you can impassion if you want uh I feel like I should impassion because my orate is so terrible. So I think I'm going to, I want to impassion, but not impassion my Amor to Avielli because I don't want to risk getting melancholic uh, over a story at a party. <laughs> I've, that's um, very that's very sweet. But uh, mechanically, you actually can't um, botch when you have over 20. Yeah. Okay. So, I guess that, so. that's something to think of. Um, if, if you wanted to use another one, that's totally fine too. And I guess... I guess actually, though, this is a story to try to impress and win over Avielli. So it would make sense um, to impassion that. So I'll impassion um, my, my Amor Avielli. All right. You have um, 24, right? Or is it 25 now? Uh, it's still 24. All right. So you'll crit on a 16 or higher. I got a 15. Uh, well, that's still a pass. So that's a plus 10 to your or rate. And you're wearing some fancy duds, so that's another plus three. So plus 13 okay. to this next roll. Oh, plus your two um, points for glory, so uh, plus 15. <laughs> Excellent. Um, six on an 18. Okay, uh, because of all your pluses, that's actually a crit. So um, check your or rate. And, uh, yeah, people like... Uh, they respond um, like, "Oh yeah, that's that's uh, that's funny." They're getting the deeper humor of it. Like you're just like a clueless lad um, going through things you don't understand, but still coming out on top. Um, yet you still strike the amount of like humbleness um, and modesty to not seem like overly arrogant about it. So you get a you know a nice here here from uh, the count. For once in Golston's life, he told a good story. Every time, every time I've rolled orate, people have just been like, "Yeah." All right, so that's um, that's the uh, wooing and marriage section. Um, there's been no hanky panky that we know of, so no children. Um, family events. Can you roll me a d6, please? Four. Aha. You you finally get a kin event. Can you roll me a can you roll me a D20 plus 10? 27. So um a youngling in your family 
um, asked you to help him become a squire. So, uh, uh, yes, uh, do you say yes or no? Basically, you would I mean, have to. He's basically he's ask, asking you to pay his upkeep as a squire. I mean, I'd love to, but there's kind of too many things in the work, and like I already have my own squire, and you know, you can have more than one. Yeah. Uh, how much? How much is it to upkeep a squire? Let me check my handy dandy sheet. Um, one libra a year. I tell him perhaps next year I'd be happy to, but um, it's not really something I can I can do at the current. Um, although I am a knight, all of my all of my funds are are basically tied up right now. You wouldn't you wouldn't actually have to pay for it right this second. You'd pay for okay. it on the following year's upkeep. Oh, following year? Yeah, done. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, no. absolutely. Actually, because I, I I feel like that's cool. I feel I feel like I'm kind of growing my uh, stable of influence here. And okay. uh, if I was able to do it, I definitely would want to do it. So yeah, I tell him. I mean, absolutely. you have plenty of horses. Um, it's basically paying for his food, armor, training. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll figure out uh, what his name is later. But uh, write down that uh, in year five thirty five, he's fourteen. So he's 13 right now, but the year just is going to be changing soon. So, yeah, we'll figure out a name for this guy later. And, uh, yeah, check your love um, check your love family. Do we know what the relation is yet? Is he like a young cousin or something? Oh, let's, uh, let's, mm, let's uh, roll some dice. It is only D20. 11. Oh, he's one of your younger cousins. All right, cool. We'll get there. We're almost through winter phase. Don't worry. Also, this winter phase, because it's a very busy year. Um, when you when you arrive back at Lily Stream from your um, time over in uh, Warwick, you uh, you have a guest at your home. Ooh, all right. It is a you know big figure wearing a really shaggy black robe, and as um, you know, you turn to um, from your you you meet this figure in your chapel. The the figure's praying and um, stands up, turns around, and you see none other than the burly chimeric features of one of your brothers, Brother Griffey, who is a brother of the Black Monks. Ah, uh, Griffey, and I go and I give him like a familial embrace, kind of like clap him on the back. Uh, he, you clap him as, on the back as he's like um, putting his hands together uh, on this to give you a blessing, but he kind of like uh, like interrupt it, and he kind of just goes along and gives you a um, half hug as well. It's like peace be upon you, brother. And I'm kind of like uh, you know I kind of like put my hand on his shoulder, and with my other hand, I'm kind of like doing a gesture, kind of like motioning to like look out at like this. At this at this scenery in this land, and I'm just like, well, what do you think? Uh, we're we're in like Lily Stream now, right? Yeah, we're you're like you're in Lily Stream. Yeah. Like, um, you lead him out of the chapel. You're showing him around uh, your manor, and it's like, uh, far better far better than father's ever done. Well, indeed, I suppose I've been very blessed. Uh, what brings you here? Well, is just because you've been so blessed that I have arrived. Um. I've I've heard tell that uh, this area was being 
resettled, and I was wondering if you have filled the position of chaplain yet. I have not. I suppose on the one of the many things that needs to be be done here, and I I know where he's going with this as well, and I I have no obligate I have no um objection to it really. Where where do you think he's going with this? He he wants that position. <laughs> He's 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 smiling at you as you're like working it out in your head. Um, would it be frowned upon from the community, or would this just be something that would be almost expected of me to do? This is a pseudo historical um, early Middle Ages setting. Nepotism is encouraged. It's yeah, okay, that's what I figured. So, I mean, I think I look at him and I'm like, Griffy, of course, it goes without saying. Well. Luckily, uh, or unluckily, you're already a checked love family, but uh, um, he seems happy by this. And I've, I've looked through um, the matter documents, and this is one of those, because I, I know you're pitching pennies right now, one of those um, instances where your um, your your household is actually cover, covers this expense. So, yeah, Brother Griffey um, um, is really happy to uh, join your um, household. Um, however, he is hoping at some point that you could bring, you know, the word of God and, you know, maybe a church or something to this area. Of course, brother, in, in good time, in good time. Uh, progress comes slowly and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing along as, as well as we can, but this, this place was uh, in a rough state when I came upon it. And, uh, well, with your help, I indeed, Jesus Christ be praised, brother. Oh, indeed, praise praise his name. And I, you know, I kind of fumble at just doing like sign of the cross. Like I think Golston acts religious in the presence of religious people, and then outside of that, he he doesn't um, think about like the. He definitely believes in God like very much, but he doesn't uh, probably like think about the formalities of it like too much, you know. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's pretty common. Your your religious skill isn't that high, although you have made some friends in high places, like Bishop Baldwin. But um, yeah, he's happy to join your household and looks forward to bringing the word of God to the masses, especially this uh, uh, notably generous baker that you have. So, um, we're we're almost there. We're finally up to training and practice. So. Uh, this is the point where you could uh, change a personality trait, statistic, or passion by one. Um, traits cannot be um, increased over 19. Um, those statistic can be raised higher than its maximum cultural value. Um, or you could train some um, skills, uh, 1d6 plus 1, or train one skill up to 20. Which one would you like to do? I want to train my orate skill. I want to get better at talking. Um, I feel like this is kind of one of those things where like mm-hmm. um, I have a lot to say and I put my foot in my mouth a lot and it's something I just want to be better at. So, so yeah, you could, you could totally pick um, your skills. Um, not that Sir Golston knows this, but at a certain point when you hit 35, you can no longer put um, points in your attributes, but if it's it's a perfectly legitimate um, strategy to pick skills, especially at this level. Yeah, I'm going to do my orate. All right, so, it's so a D6. D6 plus one, yep. So okay. roll me that. Five. All right, and you could spread these around too. 
as long as you're not raising something over 15. All right. Uh, I'm going to sink all uh, five points into orate to make my orate skill at eight. Um, Cause I think it's like, it's an important quality of a leader to be able to like talk and like command attention and, and like, you know, kind of like get your point across in like ways that you want to. So he's like, you know, like, I don't know. He, he, it's like always in my head to just do like the thing where you like train your spear expertise or you like get better at battle or horsemanship because like um, those always feel like the most dire circumstances, but it's like, I feel like long game, like I want to be able to talk and I want to be able to like um, just like kind of like really sell my, my words. So uh, he's trying to improve his, his speaking. Yeah. And we, 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 one of your character concepts was so like I'm a big fully grown knight who wants to be a courtly knight. So all right. Um toss him in there. What is your new orate skill? Eight. All right, that is something. And finally, we're to glory. So um we mentioned uh last time that uh you get extra glory when you do a quest rather rather than just an adventure. So there's that plus um of a, a, a few things like you know getting landed and you get some glory for completing some of the tasks from your your paramour so you will be getting 669 plus your annual glory so your annual glory that's anything 16 and on behalf and higher for your um your passions and personality traits um don't forget, uh, you got uh, another 100 for the Queen's Knights, another 100 for being a chivalric knight, and 10 extra a year now um, for holding land. So I'll make, let you make that those calculations and let me know what your new total is. Okay, so um, the total glory for like what I'm getting this year uh, will be 935. So that's like with the annual glory and everything added to it. Um, when I add that to my current glory, 2,850, it becomes 3,785. So that's um, that's quite notable. In fact, passing 3,000 glory makes you a notable knight. Um, and the next threshold is actually at 4,000, so you're close to getting there. But another point uh, to note that uh, since you passed uh, 3,000, you actually have a glory point to spend. So this is one of those um, game game rule breaking things. So like you could add it to anything. You could even increase size if you wanted to be even grander. Yeah, size 20. So uh, size 20 makes you a very impressive level size. Like you are, I want, you're over 200 pounds. I'm not sure what the, the book says about it. But, uh, like, this is one of the few ways to get size up without, like, you know, getting really, really fat. But, um, yeah, you're so it's actually an interesting point because being big in the Middle Ages wasn't that, like, common of a thing. So people seeing you large and in charge, they, they know that you don't really have to work and you don't. So it's okay to show off. So I'll have to figure out what it what it's going to be, but I'm thinking that you'll be due some annual glory for just being 
bigger than everyone else just around being you. a specimen yeah <laughs> pretty much absolute unit exactly so uh make sure you uh recalculate some of your um derived stats i don't think you're quite the next level of damage yet your strength's rather low in comparison but uh your hit points and knockdown and stuff like that would go up yeah okay changed my uh my knockdown and my uh, hp want to find out more about the story join our discord channel the link is in the description